0: discs, it just enables me to be a little more comfortable. We greet each one of you in the name of the Lord. It's funny, now I can see faces, and and I, all, all I need to do now is relearn your names, because before, all I saw was eyes. I have to match. Eyes. In and <laughs> and some, Uh, Funny way, not funny haha, but in some way what what Paki shared ties in what I have to share with you this morning. I've entitled uh, the message I have today, Lifted Up from the River of Sin, and uh, subtitle would be The Floating Axe. And if I can have on the screen 2 uh, Kings chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. I'll be reading the ESV version. Now the sons of the prophet said to Elijah, see the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go down to the Jordan, each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then a man of God said, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick, or some translations say a branch, others translation a piece of wood, and threw it it in there and made the iron float. Then he said, take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. Our dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you open our, our, the minds of our hearts, the eyes of our hearts, of our minds, and may you just bring us closer to yourself at this moment, that the distractions may be set aside, that your Spirit will work in us and through us and through this Word, to help us understand a little clearing the message of grace, the message of hope, the message of forgiveness and restoration. And, Father, as we later on partake of communion, may we tie together in our mind and our hearts that what we see in this passage and that what we understand communion to be. And Lord, just be, be the one who guides my thoughts, my words. The me- may the meditation of my heart and the words of my lips be all pleasing to you, O God. Your people have come to worship, come to be fed. May that happen. You know the hearts of each one. You know the word that each one needs to hear. May each one hear that which they need to hear. And may all be blessed. We thank you. We praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Just kind of retell the story. When it says the sons of the prophets, it's really what today we would call. Bible school students. Samuel was the one who started what is known as the School of the Prophets. Uh, When Elijah was discouraged and he fled after the great victory on Mount Carmel, and he tells the Lord he's the only one that's left, what part of the words of the Lord were to him, I have, have a hundred sons of the prophets who have not bowed their, their, their knee to Baal. And so there was a custom And Elisha. The one who replaced Elijah had his own school of, of prophets. And they asked permission to go down to the River Jordan to get some logs, to build a bigger and larger dorm. The place where they lived is too small for however many were living there. And they invite the, the, the prophet to go with them. And interesting, in the beginning of the passage, he's called Elisha. Later on in the passage, he's called the man of God. And it's very significant do we understand uh, that he wasn't always known as the man of God? He became known as a man of God, not because of the miracles he performed, because, but because of his testimony and his coherence in the way he lived. The land was full of people who called themselves prophets. The land was full of people who uh, acted one way and lived a different way, or rather I should say, they talked one way and they acted a different way. And a rich woman begins to show kindness to them and say, whenever you're hungry and you're passing this way, drop in for a bite to eat. And this happened several times, and so one day she says to her husband, I have noticed that this man that passes through our place is indeed a man of God. From that moment on, people began to refer to Elisha as the man of God. And actually, when Paki was telling about him and Lima doing offense without being asked. The messenger portraying to the natives, these two are men of God. And actually, the truth of the matter is when any of us walk around, whatever we do, whatever we say, we should be understood and known and identified. There's a child of God, there's a woman of God, there's a man of God because the, 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 the country is full of people who claim, but their walk doesn't match their talk. Getting on, the prophet consents to go with them. We have in this story a borrowed ax. As they're chopping down trees and they're chopping right next to the Jordan, probably one of those trees Inclined over the Jordan and he figures he'll make a good beam. And the axe head flies off the handle. And then there's an anguish cry. Alas, my master, it was borrowed. And the anguish is, how can I return it? How can I retrieve it? Where can I get another one? Throw up on the screen, please, Second Samuel 13, 9 to 23. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout the land of Israel. For the Philistines had said, lest the Hebrews make themselves swords and spears. But every one of the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen his plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. And the charge was two thirds of a shekel for the plowshares and the, the mattocks, and a third of the, a shekel for the sharpening of axes and for settling of goats. And, and, the text goes on here to say that at this particular time of this reading the only two people who had actual swords in their hands getting ready for battle was saul and jonathan it was a time of conflict in israel where the philistines had shut down every single blacksmith it's like if some enemy came in and shut down every Canadian tire and every store where we men like to shop to get our stools. And we would have to go over to Iraq, Iran, to pick up our tools. There was no place that somebody easily could replace a broken or stolen stool, a uh, tool. The man of God asks where where it fell. It fell over there. He cuts a branch or a piece of wood and he throws it over the exact place and lo and behold, the ax head floats to the top and there's instruction, retrieve it. And the person who lost retrieves it and the job continues. I don't think that this is in scripture just to tell us that this guy by the name of Elisha, known as a man of God, went around doing good things. Miracles. There's got to be a deeper lesson some people think that this is just a good story with a lesson for good stewardship to others. about You know, you borrowed something, you give it back. You, you, you wrecked it, you buy another one, take it back. That's the way I was grow up. I, I would say to dad, I borrowed a hammer, and it, it was an old hammer, and, it, and it, it, it broke. Dad says, you buy him one. I said, but dad, it's an old. He said, I don't care, you borrowed it. You borrowed it, you broke it, you give a new one. That's the way I was taught. You drove somebody's car, the tire was wrecked. Doesn't matter if it was an old tire, dad would say you put on a new tire. But dad, no, no, it broke with you, you do it. And so people figure that this is a good lesson on stewardship, maybe. Some feel that it is about having received from God some kind of giftedness, and because of carelessness, you lost your giftedness, and in the mercy of God, You got it back, that may be true, but I believe that there is a much deeper theological meaning to this story. The Jordan River was a river that the nations around it considered it a murky river, an ugly river, when Naaman was told to. uh, Bathed in the Jordan to be freed from his leprosy, he, he said, isn't there better rivers in Syria and Damascus where I can go bathe, but in this filthy river? So the, the river of Jordan became this, uh, the symbol of sin, death, and separation. The borrowed axe head that falls into the murky river is a picture of mankind because of sin, created for good works, created to serve God, but failing the test, fell into the murky river of sin, death, and separation. The cry of distress that it was borrowed is a picture of the sadness, the grief, the agony, the groaning of the Spirit of God as man and mankind, they should say, fell away from God and the love and everything he had in God. And... Adam and Eve hide themselves. They put themselves in their minds out of sight. And in the Garden of Eden, there is a question, where are you? And here the question is, where did it fall? The piece of wood, when we go through Scripture, especially the Old Testament, we find several incidents where there is a symbolism in the use of wood that points to the cross. When the children of Israel came out of of Egypt, then they were in the desert, and they came to the place named Marah because the waters were bitter. Moses cut a branch and threw it on the water and said, drink, and it became living water. And there's other incidences where things are thrown over the water, and they're all pictures of the cross, and I believe that this is the same. That here this this piece of wood that was thrown over the water is a picture of the cross because it attracted against nature, against all odds, it attracted the axe head to the surface, to the piece of wood, now it can be redeemed, now it can be retrieved, now it can be back useful again. I used to play with magnets. You cannot put two positives together. But you turn the magnets around and the positive will attract the the negative. So in this imagery here, the the iron that is at the bottom of the Jordan River is you and i who are negative forces against god we have nothing good we have nothing in our nature that is pleasing to god but god being the positive force he attracted us if we were positive we were good the positive against positive repeals each other you put try and put two positive together and they, they separate. They separate. You cannot put it together. But if you turn it around, the positive will pull the track, the negative to it, and that's why we came to Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ lifted up, and Christ said, "When I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me." And the invitation went out, "Come." The invitation come. Are you tired? Are you are you thirsty? Are you lost? Or are you broken? Are you sad? Whatever your situation, the cross, contrary to your desires, you find that if you allow God, there's a tug on your heart, there's a pull on your heart, and it brings you to himself. And so it is a picture of redemption. We're drawn from the river. And another... uh, 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 passage that depicts what god did with different words it's not a river but there is a gulf is ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 to 16. therefore remember that one time you were gentiles in the flesh the uncircumcision by which is called the circumcision the uncircumcision by which is called the circumcision which is made by the hands of the flesh Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off and been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility and by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to you who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Kind of complicated text, it's uh, Paul speaking as a Jew to Christians who were Gentiles. He's telling them there was a time when you were outside God's plan. God was dealing with us Jews, and the plan of salvation uh, in time past seemed to be the privilege of the Jews. And he says, God brought you who were separated, you who had no hope, no peace, nothing to do with God, through the cross, through his body, through his death, he has made now both Jews and Gentiles, One, and then he has reconciled, and this is really what is pictured for mankind in that incident of an axe falling into the water. It's not just a story to tell our children, and I I believe that that the 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 next lesson. The next class that those students had was why he threw a stick, not a stone, not some mud, not speak, ax had float. He had resurrected others, this prophet. He had taken a, a few loaves of bread and fed a 100 people. He did many, uh, he had multiplied oil, He had done several things, and he could just have spoken, but he he took a piece of wood. And all through Scripture, it is not only the altar that is pictured of the cross. If you do a study of the tabernacle, every piece of wood there, in one way or another, speaks of the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. And so here, I believe it is the same. So contrary to nature... We are attracted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We sang about his only hope. He he lives in 99. He goes after us. He goes after the hungry and thirsty heart. Salvation is for everybody, but you must come. Salvation was provided for everybody, but you must believe. Salvation has been provided for everybody, but you have to recognize that it is only through the cross that you can be saved. It is only through confession of sins and acceptance of forgiveness that we are redeemed. It speaks to the only way that this, and then the retrieving, and it, it could well speak of being restored to youthfulness, but I think it's, it's, the broken people, the saved people, the restored people becoming useful for God. Those who, who had nothing to gain, everything to lose, and they gained everything that they could not lose, and now they proclaim the message of God's peace peace and you know has the power of the gospel attracted you do you know Christ personally or you have just heard about him Have you allowed the message of the cross to find you where you were lost, where, you're, where you have no hope? Have you allowed the gospel of Jesus Christ through the cross, foolishness to the Jews, craziness to the Romans, but the power of God to save those who believe? To the unsaved, an axe floating is foolish, is nonsense. Maybe so. But not to the guy who saw that axe head come up. Stretch out his hand and go back to work. The gospel may be foolish to other people, but if you allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform your life, Others may think what they want, but you will know you have been redeemed against all odds by the mercy, by the grace of our loving Father. And so I say, allow God to bring you out of the river and save you. Allow God to bring you out of the river and restore you to your intended purpose. We're gonna take communion, go from this thought to communion. Communion is not about eating a little cracker and drinking a little bit of juice once a month. It's not to remember in in a passing thought, in a passing moment. By the way, let's remember our savior, we haven't remembered him. You know, let's gather together and let's, and so if you don't have your cup, there's back there and uh, uh, it's being distributed. Communion. Think of the, the branch that was cut. Jesus broke the bread and he said this was broken for you Think of that branch as what attracted you. Think of the body of Christ in relation to the cross. When he went to the cross, he was literally broken. His flesh was broken. Prophecy said his bones wouldn't be broken. But humanly speaking, he was broken. So we want to remember that Christ suffered and died so that you and I fallen in sin, far from the, out of sight. The one who God said, alas, Joe fell into sin and sank. Alas, Susie fell in. Alas, Peter, Jane, whatever your name may be. He groaned for you and he provided the cross. He provided a savior who drew you through love, through grace. He did what no man could do. He made you float to the surface of the river and he took his hand and he lifted you up out of the miry clay. He placed you on a solid rock. (coughs) And we want to remember what he did on the cross, by remembering his body. Holy Father, thank you for your word. But most of all, Lord, thank you for Jesus. The word that became flesh. The force that drew us out of sin, out of lostness, out of a place of no hope to a place of rejoicing, a place of peace, a place of power. So, Father, we take this bread and we eat of it, Lord, in fellowship, in memory, in awe, as we feast on you, as we savor, the salvation, so great and free, has been extended. This. Shall we? Likewise, the cup was taken that same night. It was lifted up. It was consecrated. And Christ, when he lifted up, he said, this is my blood shed for you. The blood of Christ, as John said, Looking back said was shed before the foundation of the world. We look back in history in 2000 years, the blood of Christ was shed in our timetable. And it is to the fellowship of this blood that we are called to drink today. The the blood that cleansed us from all our sins. The, the, The blood who made us acceptable in the beloved, the blood who changed us and transformed us. So, Father, we ask that as we take this cup, it be to us the very blood of Christ who took away our sin. We know, Lord, that, that this juice remains juice, but it is the fellowship, the spiritual meaning that's behind this that speaks of the reality. The blood that was shed for me and placed before the mercy seat before your presence. May your Holy Spirit be with us as we drink in his name. Shall we drink? As we sang three in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we invite you to ponder anew on the cost to draw you out and restore you to God. We all once were sunk and if you still feel that you're down there sunk, allow the, the, the grace of Christ through the cross tug on your heart until you say, yes, Lord. And sense you're, you're rising to the surface to be received by Christ himself. And so I pray The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the work and presence of the Holy Spirit be ours today and forevermore till the day that he comes in the clouds for his church. Amen and amen. there you go so thank you so much for watching with us we are uh, so glad that you tuning with us so next sunday we'll see you here at 10 in the morning and uh yes keep tuning, have a good day take care church and see you in a bit take care bye bye